0: Neil here with Episode 8 of Short Stories for Stressed Grown Ups. This week's journey takes us back to nature, to experience just some of the free treats out there waiting to be discovered. If you know anyone else who might also need a helping hand to unwind after a hard day, or to drift off to sleep, be sure to let them know about these stories. And if there's anything you'd like me to write a story about, be sure to let me know. Okay. Just before we start, take a moment to get yourself comfortable. Good. Now close your eyes and take a couple of deep breaths. In. And out. In. And out. Let's begin. Today's story is called Forage. Though the late summer sun blazed down, Beth was glad she'd chosen to wear long trousers as she pushed forward through the undergrowth, getting closer to where she was heading. This used to just be low grass, knee height, but her knees had been a bit closer to the ground then She wasn't sure if it would still be there. So many of the old haunts she'd visited with her great-uncle as a child had been cleared, flattened and turned into housing estates. In fact there were no actual landmarks to navigate by at all but it turned out she'd rightly trusted her instincts as she finally reached the abandoned railway line. She brushed away the clinging stick weeds, petals and dry grass that stuck to her trousers then turned right following the meandering track it was cooler here the canopy of trees that seemed to discuss her arrival in whispered voices shielded her from the relentless heat as they swayed either side ahead she could see the signal box little more broken little more graffiti covered but still recognizable as the place Keith Griffiths had brought her for her very first snog She rarely told anyone that her first snog was with a boy called Keith. But it had become increasingly clear she had a soft spot for men who would go on to become estate agents, drive estate cars and stop on the way home on a Friday night to buy their wives flowers from the garage. She could hear the irritated rasp of the crickets, the occasional fade in and out of curious bees, and imagine the sound the thin flap of the last of the late summer butterflies made as they bounced above the bushes, as if on invisible strings. As she continued to follow the gradual curve of the track, the black bridge came into view. It used to lead from somewhere to somewhere, blackened underneath by the soot of a thousand steam-powered trips. But now it began and ended nowhere. And just before it, on the left side of the bank, was what she was here for, where they used to come. He'd had just three rules, never pick next to the road, never pick below waist height because well that's where the dogs do their number ones and the further you get from other people the better the fruit. Who would want to pick alongside other people anyway and risk getting distracted from finding the perfect juicy berry, a shiny symmetrical supermodel of the fruit world? No. Foraging is not a time for having to make small talk with any Tom, Dick or Harry, none of which had been names of ex-boyfriends. She brought the same stick they used to share together. As a kid, she told him he should make them and sell them at the market. But every time he'd say, that's the trouble with inventors, they're always giving their ideas away. It was just a broom handle with a hook from a clothes hanger screwed into the end but it was the perfect tool to reach those elusive, elevated, spiky branches, on the end of which hung those aloof beauties that thought they were safe from human pies. The same blackberry bush from 20 years ago was now wilder, higher and even more saturated with gleaming berries. It seemed even the birds hadn't found this place yet. And, as was the case in the past, the real prizes hung temptingly at the top, smug in their seeming inaccessibility. She placed her rucksack on the floor and removed the weathered ice cream container, once bright yellow, now faded to a pale cream by the sun's light through the window of her shed. She took a deep breath and stepped forward, allowing herself to be immediately enveloped in spindly thorn-covered arms. She reached at first for the easy ones. Close to hand, those with no precarious overbalancing required. The most gentle of pulls was enough to free them from their tiny green pedestals. Some so ripe, they disintegrated in her grip, staining stretching fingers in dark purple juice. Occasionally a thorn would scratch or pierce her arms and hands, the host half-heartedly trying to halt the inevitable plunder of its offspring. But she continued, spurned on as each scrape each prick into purple fingertips reminded her of happy times and then came those overhangers those elusive specimen raised out of reach of ordinary humans now hooked into reaching range by Great Uncle Albert's remarkable berry stick each one seemed to stubbornly cling that little bit tighter but they were no match for expert fingers versed in the perfect balance of squeeze and pull bare arms being sure to avoid each emptied branch as it pinged back into place. She saved the best one until last. With her tub now brimming over with bounty, there was only one final resting place for her ultimate find. She popped it into her mouth, bit down and tasted the sharp then sweet juice, her teeth gently crushing tiny seeds that her tongue would satisfyingly dig out from between them later. She smiled, closed her eyes, and saw her great-uncle, his bright yellow tub also brimming over, smiling back. On her way back, she stopped at the abandoned orchard. Through a set of broken metal gates that hung from crumbling walls, proudly stood at these 30 apple trees evenly spaced, their shadows stretched long over the unkempt grass surrounding them. Next to each, now hidden, rusted in the verdant depths, had been a metal plaque, displaying the names of each variety. Every tree bore a completely different apple, some dark green, some light, some tiny and dark red, some with the texture and colour of faded green suede, some almost neon bright, flecked with rose-tinted love bites. She wanted to take one of each, but there was only room in her rucksack for nine and another four in her trouser pockets. She looked forward to the stares of curious onlookers, speculating on the cause of her bulging thighs as she made her way home amongst the commuters. The sun was lower now, coursing over her lawn and flooding through the wide open double doors that led into her kitchen. The worktops were dusted in a fine layer of flour. Pans, sticky with the sugary residue of blackberry and apples, lay piled in the sink. Jars full of dark purple jam each with a handwritten label reading Blackberry and Apple, Railway and Old Orchard 2021 stood lined up in rows. Beth opened the oven, a sudden waft of hot air blowing her shiny brown hair across her face as she pushed a pie tin onto the middle shelf. On top of the bone-white pastry, glistening with egg wash, sat two capital letters, an A and a B. She closed the oven door, and did her berry-stained apron and draped it over an oak dining chair, one of four sitting around an ancient-looking wooden table. She picked up a phone, turned it on, the screen lighting her face blue as it sprang into life. It immediately buzzed, a notification appearing on screen, message from Tom. She paused, looking at the phone for a moment, then, without reading the message, placed it back on the table. She went to the chopping board, sliced another thin sliver of lemon and added it to the ones already floating in her half-finished and She picked up a book which was lying face down, spine broken halfway through on the worktop and, with the smell of the pie already hanging temptingly in the air, she left the orange glow of the kitchen, went out into the garden and sat on her reclining chair, cool drink in hand, to watch the sun slowly set over the forest beyond.